When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. WWE Hall of Famer from the LOD, Road Word Animal. And who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast out of Indie Music TV in Ron Konkama, Long Island. At the board is our super producer, Matt. How are you? Good as always. It's good to see you, my friend. And to the right is the star show, Mr. Jimmy Farrow. Jimmy, how are you, buddy? What's going on? Back again. How was your weekend? I don't remember. You know I don't remember. How was your Monday with Kevin Sullivan? That was very cool. Kevin Sullivan rocks. Yeah? We met the devil. Did, Did he meet your expectations? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had met him previously, your, briefly. He was, was cool then. Cool. Most popular story that he told. I just liked his opinion on wrestling in general. He uh, he just seemed to reflect what how we feel about a lot of stuff. So experienced, man. I was just amazed at the. He did so many things in this business. It wasn't just that he was a wrestling legend. It was the booking. It was just everything. I think I think he left more of a mark as a booker. To be honest with you, he might have. Yeah, he might have. Um, high impact. Great guest. Yesterday, uh, on a sad note, we lost Icon, Road Warrior Animal. Mm. Um, look, we're not in a biz, right? We're fans. Yeah, we are. And, uh, you know, we just happen to have a very popular variety show. Okay. I um, agree with that. But I got to tell you, we've met a lot of different people, and we've become friends with a lot of wrestlers. 
personally. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I started thinking about, you know, how this had maybe affected their lives, right? Because, you know, God, it's amazing this extended wrestling family that goes on, right? That, mm-hmm. that you know, it's not just, you know, wife, kids, grandparents, you know. You have this giant list of friends now, and you know when they pass, it's got it's got to be terrible. The other morning, now oddly enough, uh, nowadays you usually don't have the need to call me because there's not too much you know craziness going right. on nowadays. Mm. But when you called the other morning, I was like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" And then you broke you broke the news to me that Animal had passed, and you told me you had spoke to Andrew Anderson. I, I, and this is rare for me to do, but I was like, you know what? I'll get. Let me give Andrew a buzz. See if you know he's all right. Good. The the, the man built the size of a mountain was destroyed. Yeah. And it was really, it was really hard to hear him that way. So yeah, there. You know, Andrew was friends with him. You know, and not like some people who say, "Hey, I'm friends with this guy." Right. Whatever. Andrew was friends with him. So, uh, and it's really know. hard. You know. Plus, he animal, was on our show. Animal and his wife. We got to meet him. Their anniversary too, and unfortunately, this happened. His birthday too. Didn't yeah, he just turned yeah. sixty. Speaking of birthdays, a good friend of the show, Rick Allen. Happy birthday, Rick! Ah, uh, very good. Being out there. You know what was cool when he was on the show? The was it the next day? Were we at the big event? Did we have something at the big event? Well, that's help that, me out yeah, here. So at the big event, I. A quick story before we get to our special guest. I'm trying guest. to remember um, the, you know... By the way, Bill Apter will be live with us on air. We oh. are very, very excited for this. But a real uh, quick story about Animal, and I'll let Farrow take it from here, but last year, uh, Animal uh, was on our was on our uh, our broadcast, mm-hmm. and he was a wonderful gentleman, very mm-hmm. kind, yep. a very nice gentleman. Yep. Um, again, with wrestling, you never know when people say, hey, this is the best show uh, interview I ever had, this is the best show I ever had, whatever. Maybe they're just, who knows. Mm-hmm. We were at the big event the next day, mm-hmm. and that's when you told me Animal came looking for you at the big event, which well, was nice, right? What was what was cool about it was, is you know, and the place is mobbed. You know how the big event can be. There's a million people there. All of a sudden, I felt this big bear claw on my shoulder. You know, and pro wrestler hands, by the way, right. le- le- legendary pro wrestling hands. You ever look at them? Right. <laughs> it's just this big bear clothes on my shoulder. And I turn around and wearing the makeup, because when he was on the show, he didn't have the makeup on. Right. Wearing the makeup is Animal. And he turns out, he's like, Foul! Oh, I had a blast last time. It was a great interview. I really enjoyed myself. You guys are great. I'd love to come back again. Man, I wish I had worn the makeup. Yeah. He said, Man, I wish I had worn the makeup. And you know what I told him? I was like, I'm glad you didn't. Because you probably don't, you know, do that too often. You probably usually have the makeup on. So I was glad that we got, you know, the man without the makeup. It was, I thought it was cool. It was great to see with the makeup, of course, the next day. But, man, what a genuine person he was. All, all I can say, Jimmy, is that um, I feel blessed. I'm shocked. I feel blessed that <sighs> we have this opportunity to meet people uh that we either grew up, watched out the next day to say, hey, that how was cool. great the show was. Oops. So uh, prayers, and um, I just, uh, I'm lost for words. Uh, I'd like to thank the band that sings a theme song for Monty Nefaro. Uh, that would be our own Jimmy Farrow, along with his partner, Bart Griggs. They make up the band Wisteria Hall. Wisteria mm. Hall songs could be heard on Spotify, iTunes, and Reverb Nation. The name of the theme song is Riding High. They also have other songs out there, In My Dreams, This Life. I got to tell you, Download This Life, incredible song. Animal was one of the guys who complimented the music. Yes. You know, when they sit there, they hear the yeah. you know, the music plays. Right. Like, this rocks. What is this? <laughs> Not far behind, and here comes the rain. Monty Nefaro can be seen on YouTube, the Monty Nefaro page, Facebook Live, Monty Nefaro page, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor, Twitch TV, Monty Nefaro page, RTF Sports Network, every Thursday from 8 to 9 p.m. We are their anchor show. And the repeat is Monday from 10 a.m. to 11. And on Channel 115 in New York, every Tuesday from 8.30 Hmm. to 9 p.m., which will be changing shortly till 7 p.m. And then also catch us on Channel 115 on Saturday mornings at 6 a.m. And for early risers, like Friday morning, like a few hours from now, catch us on Channel 20. We will be right back with our guest, the icon, Mr. Bill Apter, after this commercial break.
You need a body shop? You need engine repair? Auto Excellence, Collision Specialist, 631-261-6420. That's 631-261-6420. Auto Excellence. That's right, folks. Canine Corral for all your dog daycare and overnight care. Call 631-549-1544. That's 631-549-1544. And APB, American Protection Bureau, voted number one best on Long Island for all your security needs. Call 631-390-9050. That's 631-390-9050. A B. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro, seen every Thursday, produced out of indie music TV in Rock Ockhamon, New York. Mr. Bill Apter, thank you for joining Monty Nefaro. How are you, sir? It is my extreme pleasure to be here. And you called me an, an, an icon, but the, and I really appreciate that. I'm very flattered, but all my years shooting pictures at the, of the matches, it was a Nikon, not an icon. <laughs> How did I know you were going to correct me on that? You know that, but no, I'm, it's thrilled. I'm thrilled to be even on the, uh, the, the waves here back on Long Island because I'm, I'm born in the Bronx, grew up in Maspeth, Queens, got married, moved out to Long Island, uh, Massapequa Park. Um, and uh, also the offices that I worked for, when I was back at uh, London Publishing, the producers of PWI and The Wrestler and Inside Wrestling, we were in Freeport and eventually in uh, Rockville Center. Got so, lots, yeah, I'm a long time too, yeah. Got yeah. lots of memories of the Carmack Arena, I hope? No, actually the National Coliseum. Uh, okay. Island Garden a little bit when I was a kid, but when I was growing up, my home arena was Sunnyside Garden on Queens Boulevard. Okay. I lived in Queens. Back then, so I was at Comac a couple of times, yeah. but yeah. Uh, but not a lot. The Comac Arena is where I used to go to when I first started getting into wrestling. You know, it was a cheap man's venue, right? Yeah, but it was, it was a great place. It was very. If you come from New York, you know about Comac and the yeah. Comac Arena. Well, and the, the promoter, if I remember correctly, was a guy named Whitey Carlson and Willie Gilsenberg. Mm-hmm. They were the co-promoters there. Yeah. Well, that's if crazy. I remember correctly. That I wanted to thank crazy. you, by the way. I, I, it was. It was. I wanted <laughs> to thank you. For, uh, you were talking about um, uh, Animal, yeah. Joe Laurinaitis. And it's funny because I, I mentioned this recently to a lot of people. Uh, I shot this photo that's on this uh, sweatshirt along with Craig Peters. We did some horror lighting, etc. And uh, uh, the Road Warriors asked permission to make this into a sweatshirt. And I've had this sweatshirt here for a long time, and I wanted to pay homage tonight to both of them. Um, I, it's really funny because as much as I knew Joe, I rare, and I knew him from the day that uh, Ole Anderson put him in a, uh, uh, a biker outfit, called him Animal, and I never called him Joe. Even when I saw him personally, we'd go out to dinner and do things photo sessions, interviews. He was always animal to me, and Mike was always hawk to me. I always, always call them by their their character names, but we, with the loss of him, it was so shocking. I got a, uh, a call at about a quarter to seven in the morning, Eastern time, from uh, Sal Corrente. Uh, he's the guy who invented Wrestle Reunion. Uh, he was known as the Big Cheese, and he's still around the business, and he said, Joe died. And I said, Joe who? And he said, animal. I was like, the whole day yesterday, during the day I worked for a nonprofit company, beside doing the wrestling full-time, I helped people with disabilities to find jobs. I couldn't go out and do anything yesterday. My body and my mind were obliterated by that news. I had just sent a video to his lovely wife, Kim, for his 60th birthday. She was kind of getting videos from everybody, and she included me Mm. on that. And uh, she said he loved it because what I did, I said, who's this this video for? 
Ojo, the guy with the makeup, or the demolition guy, right? She said he roared at that. He thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever heard. And he celebrated that, and then I wished them happy anniversary on their Facebook page. And then that next morning, the call from Sal, and my phone just blew up the whole day. And uh, I'm still pretty much in a state of shock over this whole thing, because sometimes you expect these things, but this makes the year 2020 suck even more. Mm, agreed. You know, Bill, and I rarely use that word. You, you, you have this extended family, and again, I, you know, I know we're joking around, but you, you're joking around. You are an icon. You, again, you're talking you. to two lifelong fans. Oh yeah. And you made a difference in our lives. And when oh, you yeah. make a difference in one person's life, like you have, you're an icon. But I reach out to you Thank and I, you. Ask, I ask you this question. With this extended family of yours, what we were talking about earlier, how, how hard is it to deal with this this constant turmoil and pain? It's You know, you have enough with your own family and your close, close friends, but now you have this extended family with even closer friends. How does a man like Bill Apter handle this? Um, it's never easy. Uh, a lot of fans, a lot of people look to me for the confirmation of, um, of people dying. And I hate to be that guy, but I feel like it's something I'm supposed to do because there are so many uh, thousands of sites on the Internet that report rumors that so-and-so died. But uh, unless I can confirm it with someone in the family or someone like Sal Corrente, um, I won't do that. So it's never, never, ever easy. Uh, the recent deaths of uh, the, my best friend in the business, uh, Mr. Wrestling Number Two, mm. uh, you can see his mask right above me next to that uh, belt that some fan made for me out of Legos. Um, death of Bruno San Martino, uh, Pedro Morales, all these people whose careers I, along with the rest of the team at the magazines, chronicled and brought it to you pre-internet. Uh, it's very, very, very difficult. I just—it's uh, very hard to deal with. It's losing family. Um. Yeah, I'm lost for words. All I know is when I—I heard—I go to work pretty early in the morning, and I heard pretty early in the morning, and I have a few friends that are very close to Animal. And I didn't know if they were awake yet. And um, I just all I could think to myself was, do I call them and tell them? Or are they going to wake up and open up Facebook and find out? And I didn't even know how to approach it. But you know what? You know what? In the meantime, in the meantime, the other side of that is the great stuff that he brought to all of us, that he and Hawk did. They were the Best kick-ass team. I used to think that the Andersons, Ole and Gene, mm. were the toughest team in wrestling till I saw the Road Warriors. And I saw one of their first matches before the makeup, uh, and they were kicking the crap out of, of uh, uh, who was it, uh, David Sammartino and uh, Roberto Soto, I think it was. <laughs> and I was shooting right close, and I was going like, they're not, these guys aren't pulling anything. And little by little, the way uh, I became friends with them and Precious Paul Ellering, and then the photo shoots that Craig Peters and I would do, and the, the interviews on uh, uh, the Crockett shows and World Championship Wrestling, where we just had fun improving with each other, um, they brought a whole new, like ECW changed the business forever, they changed the business forever. And it was great. great. They're, they're guys. So I want to I want to look at the happy side yep. of had we not had him or them, we never would have known about this. So I'm, I count our blessings that we were able to see what they did. And all I can say is what a rush. <laughs> <laughs> I second that, my friend. All right, so, Bill, I'm going to turn you over to the Pharaoh. He's the star of the show. He's you. going to give you something called the juice. He's going to inform our fans a little bit about you. But not that they don't know oh, all about you already. And then uh, we're going to we're gonna have a little fun, okay? Um, I've been having fun, so. Shalom out there, all you video folks at home. I had to do that for Bill. Shalom, Bill. 
ladies and gentlemen. Not, wait, 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 wait. What I'm, I'm, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that, and Happy New Year, of course, to oh, all thank my you. Thank you. But keep this in mind how religious I am. My first <laughs> wife is Protestant. <laughs> Here we go. We. Oh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the juice. Wait, wait, wait. I have to tell you the terrible joke now. The terrible joke? Go ahead. Yes, these two men were outside a Chinese restaurant wanting to know if there are any Chinese Jews. So they said, why don't we go in and we'll ask the waiter? So they sit down, they ask the waiter, are there Chinese Jews? Waiter said, I don't know. I'll go ask the boss. He comes back. He says, the boss says there's no Chinese Jews. Only orange juice, tomato juice, and pineapple juice. <laughs> Very good. You brought up the wrong stuff, so you. All right. You had to call my segment the juice, huh, Mike? You there you go. To, there well, you go. The juice. All right, All right ladies and gentlemen. Our esteemed guest this fine uh, evening, William Stanley Apter, born October 22nd, 1945. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did, did you get his birthday wrong? Hold on. No, What's William wrong? Stanley Apter? Nobody's called me that except if I was in trouble. <laughs> You're in trouble right now. I'd send you to your room, but you're already there. Uh, born October 22nd, 1945. Does that make you a Libra? Wait, wait, do you, yeah, I am, but do you know where the uh, Stanley part came from? No, let's hear Stanley it. Weston? No, no, take a look at my face. Take a look at my face. Oh, no. Very good, Stanley. No way. Well, it certainly was, and that's where it came from. It said, my father was a big fan, and he didn't know what he was doing, and that's what he did. But I don't want to marry him, Ollie. Why not, Stanley? Because I don't love him. Come on, now. my heroes. Anyway, was... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Let's go back to the reading of the Wikipedia. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, really. There you go. William Stanley Apter, born October 22nd, 1945. He's a Libra, folks. What are you just blast through He's it? an American journalist. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just repeating it, so I figured I'd go quickly. Go, go He's just an American journalist. It says here at a photographer specializing in professional wrestling. This is off Wikipedia. Remember... <laughs> Obviously known for the wrestling magazines, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. It doesn't say it here, but I'm going to say it. Inside Wrestling and The Wrestler. Uh, these magazines often reported wrestling in kayfabe, of course, taking this stuff quite seriously. Uh, Aptor was closely associated with these mags, as they were often known as Aptor mags. Very interesting. Really? Dave Meltzer coined that, by the way. Who what? did? Dave Meltzer coined it, the aftermath. Oh, it was nice. Meltzer was behind that. Very interesting. The influence of these publications in the days before cable television and the internet was such that after has been credited with launching the careers of many, many young wrestlers whom he featured. Uh, The resume stands as such. Luthes Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, 2012, the James C. Melby Award, 2015. Hold on. Hold on. Wait, wait. Hold on. That, That was the same year. It was the same year that animal was inducted oh, into really? our, our I stood next to him for that. Yeah. Oh, very yeah. nice. Did he have the makeup on or no? He did not. He, he was in a suit that, jacket, and he was, he was Joe at that point. Very good. As we continue with this fine resume, we have the St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame class of 2015. Was that all with that one, too? I figured I'd ask. No. Oh, okay. Just no. checking. Pittsburgh, <laughs> Pittsburgh Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Class of 2017, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter. That's Meltzer, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Class of uh, 2018 Hall of Fame. Ladies and gentlemen, let me put it this way. Back in the early 80s when I first met my partner, we could not wait for the stationery store to release the new wrestling magazines. We used to run up there to the wrestling magazines. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the great overseer of all those mags we've enjoyed so much growing up. The Internet before the Internet. Mr. Bill Apter. All right, Bill. Well, thank you. you. And I always say thank you. But but I want to justify something. Okay. I was on the road most of the time, and I always say this when I come on shows, is that I was part of five or six great teams through the years that put those magazines out, the Mm. the writers, the editors, the photographers, the art department. So I always get, you know, Dave Meltzer – called it the after mags because I was the guy on TV. I was, I was the guy who marketed what we were doing because that's what I wanted to do. And uh, so Dave Meltzer, when he said the after mags, I called him and I remember I said, 
it, it's not the after mags, it's Stanley Weston's magazines. And he said, but people know you from your mm-hmm. TV appearances. Mm-hmm. So that's why he called him that. So I'm, I'm honored to have that uh, tagged on me. I, I got to go right for it right away. Were you behind Matt Brock? How dare you? I, no, I need to. I need, not. <laughs> no, no. What was the story with Matt Brock? For those who don't know, growing I'm gonna up. Tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. I never wrote anyone but me. Okay. I never ghost wrote anyone. I was never any of the other characters mm-hmm. or anything. And there are two people that worked for us that people don't believe that they were real. One of them was Dan Shockett. He was our first heel reporter. Yes. Dan died yes. at a very young age of cancer. Dan was a Long Island kid, too. He was from uh, Oceanside. Um, and Eddie Elner, who is still alive, and you can find him on uh, Facebook, he took Dan's place after Dan's passing. Uh, and Eddie Hell, uh, up until COVID time, he had a yoga studio in California, and he now does a lot of that stuff virtually, but fans can find him on Facebook. He's there. So how did the whole Matt Brock thing come about? That was, For those folks who don't know, Matt Brock was an imaginary, uh, I thought he was a real person. It turns out he wasn't. How do you know he was imaginary? I was, that's, that's the wild rumor I heard, that he wasn't a real person. Well, it might be a rumor. I, I mean, unless, uh, unless you he's can... Got unless you can <laughs> he's got me. He's got me. Listen, this is torturing me. You're going to leave me hanging like this? All these years, I thought Matt Brock was a real drunk. <laughs> Give up. Oh, this is terrible. Was he real, Bill, or was he not? Well, I'm going to tell you something. There's a, a thing that Stu Sachs wrote online that gives the truth behind the wrestling magazines. I don't want to destroy anyone's growing up in childhood, so I don't talk about that. Okay. <laughs> He's killing me. I will tell you, I will, if you ask me questions about yes or no, maybe I can tell you that. Here's, here's a question I've been dying to ask you, right? Oh so in, in your book, Is Wrestling Fixed? I didn't know it was broken. There's a picture of you and your brother, so obviously two wrestling yeah. fans want to be yeah. tag team champions. What did yeah. your dad? What did your dad think about the whole deal? <laughs> my dad would back anything that I wanted to do. My dad was a letter carrier at the New York uh, City Post Office uh, down in the Garment District. My dad was a Sandlot umpire. When I started getting into the business, my dad came with me because he was very proud of what I was becoming, and they let him come in with me. And my dad actually became very good friends. Pedro Morales. Um, used to call us maybe once or twice a month and say, baby, I like to talk to daddy. And he would call and talk to my father all the time. My dad and my mother both were so proud of that I was getting into something that I was following for so many years uh, as a kid. No, it was, yeah, my, my dad loved it. My dad, when they moved out, when my parents moved down to Florida to retire in West Palm Beach, I set my dad up with... Uh, uh, the Florida promotion through Eddie Graham to make sure my father sat at the timekeeper's table in West Palm Beach every Monday. And every Monday he would call me with wrestlers on the phone. All the wrestlers, they'd see me at the garden the next month. Hey, Bill, we saw your dad. Uh, it was great. It was wonderful. So, yeah. That's incredible. How hard yeah. was it to get the wrestlers to accept you in the beginning? Was it something you had to sell to them, or was it they just realized that – you were making them bigger, bigger than life? Great question. Um, it was difficult at the very beginning because there were a lot of stories that Mr. Weston fabricated. For example, like a life story of Bruno San Martino. And when I first met Bruno, Bruno said to me, this story you had there about my sister, like killing a Nazi when she was, and he was very, he was very, he was very upset. And then Gorilla Monsoon who was a main person backstage, told me that he allowed one of Mr. Weston's photographers to come into his house and take pictures. And there was a a leech shot in the um, story of Monsoon with a gun saying he wanted to shoot Bruno San Martino. Well, the San Martinos and the Monsoon family were very close friends, and Monsoon was furious. So Vince McMahon Sr. found out that I was coming in to do some stuff, not for the magazines. When I first started, I was doing a radio show in New York, 
WHBI 105.9 FM, and I bought time, and I did interviews. But when I started with the magazine, they found out I was working for Stanley Weston. Vince Sr. told me he and Stanley had some issues, but if I can prove myself and do what's right, uh, he would let me into the show. So I did the very first magazine shoot interview with Bruno San Martino. Uh, and at that point, Bruno endorsed me. And then the people that Mr. Weston was friends with, like Sam Muchnick, uh, Al Costello from the original Fabulous Kangaroos, mm -hmm. they started inviting me down to shows. Uh, and they never told me there were going to be title changes at that point. But they would bring me down there, and all of a sudden a title would change when I'm shooting pictures there. So I happened to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah, so he endorsed, Mr. Weston endorsed me to a lot of people, but little by little, I got the endorsements of, of the people in the dressing rooms. And then I became, you know, second nature to me being back there. I was expected back there. How, diff how different was it for you covering boxing compared to wrestling? Totally different, because with wrestling, you can, that, what a great question. Um, with, uh, with wrestling, you can shoot various matches of people and almost anticipate after years of shooting it what's going to happen. With boxing, you only have one chance at it, of it. I shot many uh, Muhammad Ali fights. Uh, he was one of my oh, speed. I like your style, but your pace so cheap. I won't be back for a while. But anyway, <laughs> you got great speed. You got endurance. If you sign to fight me, increase your insurance. But um, <laughs> but and, but shooting fights, you had one chance to get that one picture. And back in the days of shooting film, not digitally. Uh, sometimes I shoot if a fight was 15 rounds, I do two rolls of film, changing film in the middle of a, a three minute round and just getting a million pictures. And sometimes maybe five of them would be used. Bill, it's a strange question, but I'm going to try to get it out there. Let me see Almost if I can word questions. this correctly. Do you, do you think hold the on, Internet? Hold on, oh, hold go on. ahead. Wait, hold on a sec. Holding. Matt, Matt, I'll be up in about forty-five minutes. Matt Brock's call. I'll be up in about. I'm on the show right now. <laughs> Matt Brock. Yeah, okay. he's calling in. All right. Okay, I'll, I'm busy. He's okay. real. I'm sorry. He's real. Question? So he is real. Is he drinking? Oh, never mind. Now, now you're going back. Now you're talking about Israel. First you say shalom. Now, anyway. All right. Is the current younger generation, the current fan, the internet-raised wrestling fan, is he as, oh boy, this is going to sound strange, is he as educated as the wrestling fans that come from the generation pre-internet, like Mike and I, who ran to get all the magazines? I know that the information is out there in, in abundance today, but like, for example, Road Warrior passing away, does today's generation, the internet-raised generation of wrestling fan, do they really fully get? They know, they know from their parents, their older brothers and their older sisters. But the WWE has done a, uh, a good job with a lot of the uh, icons of making sure that they're out there periodically. And a lot of the younger fans come to the conventions, uh, which I miss terribly right mm -hmm. now. Uh, and a lot of them come with their parents or their brothers and their sisters. Or, I mean, I meet eight- or nine-year-old kids that know who all these people are. So, yeah, a lot of the younger generation do know do, do know who these people are because of the wonderful thing that, like you're doing and I do on One Wrestling Video, is YouTube. Is listening to the foul right now. The name of the book is Wrestling Fixed. I didn't know it was broken. Uh, right. I'm presently reading it right now. It's fantastic, the stories inside. And, Bill, where can... Where can you get this book, Bill? Um, I know, but I'm not telling. Hold on, I'm just reading this. Oh, it's I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Go to uh, chapter 15. It's awesome. <laughs> most, uh, most bookstores have it. It's been out for six years. It's not self-published. It was published by ECW Press in Canada. ECW. ECW. Not that ECW. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Entertainment, Culture, and Writing is what ECW Press stands for. I can't believe I remember that. But uh, you can get it at most bookstores. Most Barnes & Nobles have it. Um, you can get it on Amazon or any uh, great uh, 
book dealer. But there's there's if you see the uh, the cover here, you'll see some of the, uh, the the things. Jim Cornette hated the book. Do you know why? What? Why? He said, I hate Bill Abter's book. He doesn't bury anyone. Oh. He nice. uh, there's nice no. Guy. It's a, yeah, it's a fun story, and there's an audio Audible. For, if you go to Audible, it's on Audible as well. And I do do the uh, uh, I do the narration. I read the book, and a lot of my wrestling imitations are um, in it when I'm talking about a lot of these guys because I do hundreds of wrestling voices. But uh, there I am with the chairman, of course, uh, Mr. McMahon, uh, Triple H, uh, Ric Flair, and Andy Kaufman, who was uh, uh, the biggest accomplishment of my career a lot mm. of people say i'm the guy who introduced him to jerry lawler well, yeah, gonna, it's in here well we're gonna we're, we're gonna get into that um but first i want to quickly just cover your new magazine inside the ropes com. can you tell us a little bit about that well that's not my magazine actually and thank- i didn't know it was broken thank you i was waiting for that um <laughs> but this is on my book has gotten out there uh, so much. I've marketed it everywhere. I have YouTube videos of wrestling uh, personalities answering if wrestling's fixed. It's on my uh, One Wrestling Video channel. But uh, the magazine is a uh, throwback to the old school wrestling magazines. It's the first new wrestling magazine uh, in years. These guys are taking a big gamble on this. But I got my first copy uh, of it in the mail um, three or four days ago, and it was so great to hold a wrestling magazine again. Now, for you people that want to order it and go to uh, InsideTheRopesMagazine.com, you'll see it's all in brick. Jimmy, I got to take a dump. What? No. I mean, I need a dumpster. <sighs> well, for all those needs, you need to call Big V Dumpster Rental, Long Island, New York, 631-900-DUMP. The Monty and the Pharaoh Show is brought to you by... Because wine is your second favorite four-letter word. California wine, New York attitude, good fucking wine. Yeah. Jeff Quest, graphics design, custom vinyl lettering, and all your art and video needs. 516-317-8204. That's for Jeff Quest Graphic Design. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty and the Pharaoh, seen every Thursday, produced out of Indie Music TV in Ron Conkama, New York. We're with our special guest icon, Mr. Bill Apter. Um, no way. Do you do you know what my favorite four letter word is that starts with the letter F? What's what? that? Free. <laughs> well, guess what? Yeah. For being a guest on Monty and Afaro, you get a free bottle of that wine. So how's that? Oh, that would be great. That so, sounds hey, great. There oh, you right go. Right now, my my drink, if you can see this, and I drink too much of this every day, is called sparkling ice. Um, so for my birthday, if you guys want to send a case of that. Here on October 22nd, strawberry lemonade's my favorite uh, flavor. I'll give you the address. DM me. Strawberry lemonade. Love Matt Brock. Very good. (laughs) Bill, I wanted to ask you about, you've obviously worked with the greatest promoters ever, Vince McMahon, Vern Gagne, Crockett, et cetera, et cetera. Could you compare a few of them for us, you know, like the difference between a Vince or a Vern? Well, uh, the Vern was very secretive. Vern knew that I knew the business. But I'd ask him a question about the business, and he'd go, oh, I don't know. I just have to go ask my son. Call Greg. And then Greg would tell me whatever I needed to know. Vince Sr. was a businessman. I never really asked him what was going to happen or what was going to go on. He was very nice to me, very businesslike. Jim Crockett was – he became a good friend. Uh, We became confidants of each other. And when the WWF banned all the uh, the wrestling magazines from uh, their buildings because they had their own magazine, Jim Crockett 
said, hey, I'll help you guys out. I'll put you on my TV every week. And every week I was almost every week I was on his uh, TBS show doing uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated scouting reports. Yes. Do you remember those? Yes, mm-hmm. we do. Yeah. Bill, yeah, how affected yeah. were the sales of PWI when Vince launched the WWF magazine, which, by the way, I thought absolutely sucked compared to yours? Go on. Well, thank you. But uh, not at all. It didn't hurt us at all. Um, we uh, we sent people. Um, we bought pictures from press people. We sent people uh, in the stands with long lenses. And we weren't, you know, it's funny because we weren't selling posters in the magazines or anything. We were reporting news. Mm-hmm. And this is why I think nothing legally was ever challenged because we were covering wrestling like Sports Illustrated would cover football or baseball or boxing or whatever. How, did you ever get angry about it? And did you guys meet and say, you know what? We're just not even going to cover the WWE. We took world title recognition away from them for many, many years. Mm. Um, but it didn't really affect anything. You know, it was controversial. Fans wrote in back then that we were wrong. Some fans supported it. It just it, we, we made it more like a regional promotion. And we made like the NWA was a worldwide promotion. So, wasn't that always the mindset, though? I remember Mike and I as kids, we used to get really frustrated. We would read the ratings, the rankings in the back of the mag every month for the top 10 of the NWA, AWA, WWF. And we used to get pretty frustrated because a lot of the time, Bob Backlund was not number one. We would see Nick Bockwinkel or, or uh, who else, Mike? Yeah, even, yeah, even you know, back then, what, Backlund was like number eight behind non-title world title holders. He would never... And well, I, wait a minute. I, I, I take he did make Wrestler of the Year okay, in 1982. I, I do no, know wait that. A minute, wait a minute. Go ahead. See, what we did is we all our uh, rankings were uh, in categories. So mm-hmm. we rarely had a... Uh, we had a most hated and a most popular. And yes. Backlund might have been nine there. But right. when he was champion, he was above he was, number one. Correct. And then, right, and I did the rankings... Uh, for each of those magazines because every week I was on the phone regularly with every wrestling office finding out what they were doing. And remember, there was a three-month lag time from yes. the time we yes. put the magazine to bed to the time it hit the street. Correct. A lot of things changed. Yeah. Correct. It's amazing the staying power of the magazine, even though it was two or three months behind. We didn't care. We wanted to pick that issue up. No matter what. Thank you. Even the- oh, my God. It was, it, was, it, was, it was life. It was life. Every month was life. Uh, Bill, one of the great stories of professional wrestling that always interested us, um, mm. Andy Kaufman, and I want you to take the story, but I'm just going to lead you into it. Andy Kaufman comes to you and says, hey, I want to get into wrestling females or wrestling in general. And you reach out to Vince Sr. Um, how come Sr. didn't want to go with the angle? Well, first of all, let me let me explain to you what had happened. Andy was already um, wrestling women in his act mm-hmm. there, in his nightclub act, in his stage show. Um, we were backstage at Madison Square Garden one night, and I had never met him. And he came over to me, and he said, oh, you're Bill Apter. I read your magazine. He said, and we got, we got to be friends. And then he told me that he spoke to Vince McMahon, and uh, uh, Vince didn't want any, uh, uh, any showbiz People, they he wanted to keep his wrestling away from showbiz people, just wrestling to be pro wrestling. Even though Vince Jr. at one point uh, had Andy down at uh, ringside to do some promotional work. So he said to me, what are you doing after the matches? And I said, I'm going back to my apartment in Queens. He said, well, how do you get there? Now, keep in mind, he was one of the stars of Taxi, one of the most top rated Great show. comedy show of all time. He was major star yes. of Taxi in Alaska. He said, how do you get home? I said, I take the E-train. He said, can I go with you? I said, sure. So here I am with Andy Kaufman on the train and I go up to my apartment in, in Briarwood, Queens. And I was living with a, uh, uh, a wonderful girl wrestler by the name of Susan Sexton, uh, the Australian champion. And we walk in, and every other word out of her mouth was the F-bomb. She says, hey, hey, mate, oh, F and Andy Kaufman, how you doing? <laughs> so we sat, hours, we sat for hours talking about how he wanted to be Buddy Rogers or Fred Blassie. And after about an hour and a half, Suzanne just said, I can't listen to this 
crap anymore. And she went in the bedroom, put on her headphones, the Ramones, gabba, gabba, hey, hey, and it was just gone for the night. So I said to Andy, I said, you know, I have a friend in Memphis, Tennessee, Jerry Lawley. He says, oh, yeah, I've seen him in the magazine. I said, they're way ahead of the curve here. They have characters like Frankenstein, the Wolfman. You're Elvis. Imitate. You go over great there. Why don't we call him? He says, well, it's 1 o'clock in the morning. I said, He's, we're wrestling people. We call all night. So I called Jerry Lawler, and he says, you got Andy Kaufman, the guy from Taxi, in your roach-infested apartment in, in Briarwood. <laughs> I said, yeah. And I put him on the phone, and as the cliche goes, the rest is history, and that's what put the key in the ignition. And a few days later, Andy was down in uh, in Memphis, and uh, Jerry Lawler and Jerry Jarrett brilliantly set up that entire situation. If Senior had gone for the idea, how do you think it would have worked out? And was there an argument between Junior and Senior? Because I could see Junior wanting this right away. I, I, I don't know, but I do know that Junior did tell... By the way, I just noticed something that my stool is blocking the aftertaste. My stool. Right. You said okay. st- you said stool. I did. I Which said stool was blocking the aftertaste. My stool. Um, oh, that kind of stool. I'm sorry. Oh, right. okay. But but Vince Vince Junior Vince Junior did tell Jerry Lawler at one point that that's the one thing that escaped him that he would have loved to have done. And back when they opened the Performance Center, I was talking with Triple H and Stephanie, who were two of the nicest and most gracious people I have ever met in my whole life, in or outside of the business. And neither of them, somehow, we were just talking about wrestling stories, and neither of them knew that that they were like, you're the one? Yeah. There are a lot of people who don't know that. That's why mm. well, before I go on any show, and you know I did this with your show too, I said, you got to read my book. Because eight out of nine of the podcasts and shows that I did when my book first came, and I mentioned they were like, really? You guys knew it. So, Well, I'll tell you one thing that bothered me too, if I could go a little further. Um, I love the story of Andy Kaufman. I actually think he was a genius. My wife would tell you otherwise. Oh, he was a genius. Um, Absolutely. But that being said... Man on the Moon, I enjoyed, but I was disappointed that they did not have you in that movie at least, um, you know, at least how that whole introduction goes. Well, they, he was kissing his girlfriend, um, and they said, you know, where do you want to go for a hundred? Let's go to let's go to Memphis. Why? It's the wrestling capital of the world. That funeral also didn't happen in that thing. Um, I at there was a. Um, I forgot what network did a uh, Jim Carrey uh, special about Andy Kaufman. And I think it was a, on Showtime, I believe, Showtime, I think. Showtime. And there yeah. was a clip of me and Gordon Soley from wrestling's very first VHS tape ever, Lords of the Ring. Um, hey, King. And uh, there was a clip of Gordon Soley and I talking about uh, Andy Kaufman in there. And that was in that, uh, that Jim Carrey piece. Bill, does the does WrestleMania even happen without the Kaufman Lawler thing? Because to me, Kaufman Lawler thing could very well be the beginning of the E in entertainment. Yes, sports. You know, first of all, thank you for saying Kaufman, because everybody I meet outside of New York goes, "Oh, you're the guy that set up Andy Kaufman, huh?" (laughs) (laughs) New Yorker, say it like a New Yorker. Uh, That was that was the first shot of sports entertainment in, in my estimation. And if you go to uh, Fight TV two years ago um, at StarCast, Conrad Thompson let me do an uh, interview with uh, uh, a tribute with uh, Jerry Lawler and Dutch Mantel, uh, a tribute to Andy Kaufman. And it's a really, really great interview. I came out with a neck brace refusing to do the show saying that Lawler attacked me. In the That's back. beautiful. <laughs> you got to see it. You got to see it. Wait, wait. Now, where can you see this again? Fight, F-I-T-E, Fight TV. Okay. Just look up Bill Acker and it's on there. Bill, uh, fan Dale Champagne is asking, at what point in your career were you smartened up to the business between kayfabe and the work? Mm. It's very hard to say because when I was a fan, it was all real. 
as far as I was concerned. I think when I was in the hallways and just heard the guys kind of talking about their matches and stuff, uh, nobody ever took me aside to smarten me up except one guy in Boston, and he tragically died in a uh, plane crash, Bobby Shane. I was at the Boston Garden, and he and I went to dinner afterwards at an Italian restaurant called Palcari's, and we were talking about something, and he said, well, yeah, you're only as good as your opponent. It takes two to tango. You can't do well in that ring unless you have someone to do it with. And little by little, I never asked anybody. Uh, I just, little by little, I just kind of picked it up myself. But I never let anybody, I never brought that up or anything backstage. I always played backstage like what was going on was sports. When I, I have hundreds of interviews back from the 70s, still on the cassette and a lot of them digital, which I, I run periodically on OneWrestlingVideo.com. And all the interviews are done in character because I covered pro wrestling like it was a sport. So I didn't look at it like it was uh, a work, so to say. So I kind of knew it, but I didn't ask anybody about it. And sometimes wrestlers would just kind of tell me what was going to happen. So, yeah. But were there any particular wrestlers that were hard to track down when you had to cover them for a story or to, to get a photo of them? Anybody that you used to dread going, oh, geez, he's a pain in the ass. I got to get this guy to sit still for a photo. No, no, not really. They, most guys uh, wanted to be in the magazines. Most guys appreciated that I uh, would approach them to be in the magazine. Sometimes because of their schedules, guys would not show up and not call. And then a week later, uh, oh, crap, I was on the road. It's, it's, it was part of the business. But no, nobody, nobody really uh, ever stood me up for long periods of time. How about your relationship with the Von Erichs? Can you fill us in a little bit about the uh, great Von Erichs? Oh, man, I, I became a member of the Von Erichs from, uh, from what they, uh, you know, David was, my, was one of my best friends. Um, Kerry came to my house several times. Um, I still talk to Kevin once or twice a year. He's living in Hawaii. Um, there's a chapter in the book where Fritz wanted to practically kill me. Hmm. Um, Dan Shockett had written a column. Uh, he was our bad guy reporter. He had written a column uh, likening uh, Kevin David and Kerry to the Three Stooges, and David had died when that magazine came out. So there was no explain. So Gary Hart, who was one of the bookers there, called me and he says, "My man, Fritz does not want you anywhere. He's very you're out of the family." And I went anyway because I needed to talk to him. Uh, it turns out that his wife calmed him down, Doris. Uh, at, Atkinson uh, calmed him down, and uh, I made peace with him. But I was very close with all of the Von Erichs. His, uh, Kevin's sons call me Uncle Bill. Wow. That that had to be hard to deal with, that total family tragedy. It was terrible because the uh, David was actually the first death that I really encountered in the wrestling business of a young person who had so much promise and Kerry, I was so close to Kerry. I mean, I'd talk with him once or twice a week on the phone. He was a wrestling fan as well. And, yeah, I have somewhere in my archives, I have a video of him sitting on the couch in my old apartment at the Cameo Townhouses in Massapequa Park. Uh, my kids weren't home, and he told them, he said, this is uh, Uncle Kerry, and, you know, don't take drugs, and don't do this and do that and go to school and get good marks, and I still have that somewhere here. Mm. Let me ask you, if you look back on your life now, Bill, do you, do you find yourself totally blessed, or would you maybe have done something different? No, I never would have done anything differently. I was offered a job uh, by WWE to be editor of their magazine, but I was very loyal to uh, Stanley Weston, the person who hired me. Uh, no, I, want, I started out wanting to be a broadcaster, in pro wrestling and uh the, the the 
the, the companies were all filled doing that. I wanted to be on TV and wrestling. And through the magazines, I remember Mr. Weston saying to me, you want to be on TV and on the radio? I can help you do that. And he started sending me on these trips to Detroit and Toronto and uh, Florida and Georgia and all that. And me being down there with a sport jacket and a tie and a nice shirt made it feel like this guy came all the way from New York City to be here. So this must be even more important than you think as a fan watching it out there. I'm going to tell you something. One of the big things that contributed to my success, major thing, is that when I went to the matches, people would go backstage uh, in a shirt. And then I always went in with a sport jacket and a tie and a shirt, of course. And if you look the part, and I, I've instilled this in a lot of people uh, who write on the Internet, to put on a shirt and tie. When you go to the shows, you won't be viewed as, oh, he's another guy, Internet geek. You'll be viewed differently. And they always come back to me and say, what great advice that was. Worked for the Beatles. It is great advice. <laughs> Bill, where can the fans get the Bill Lapter experience? Tell me where they could find you on social media and all the projects you're going on. I will do that. My, by the way, I want to, because of this whole COVID thing, when I do book signings, I'm not that guy that sits at the front of the store and signs it. Fans know that I do an hour and a half show with videos and uh, music, and it's, it's a whole one-man variety show, what I do there. And I'm hoping after COVID I'll be able to get back on the road and entertain all of you again. It's all about my. It's all about the, the book. I'm at uh, on Twitter. I'm at After One Wrestling. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, you can contact me through my email, uh, bapter at onewrestling.com. And please don't put an N in my last name like Dusty Rhodes did. There are people <laughs> who still think my name is Willie Apna. You get on and go, my baby Willie Apna over here, if you will, all my babies. And I stop saying that. Um, but that's where that's where you can find me. And uh, uh, please subscribe to www.onewrestlingvideo.com. That's our video channel. So to, everything I do in terms of video is, uh, is there. And uh, I have a lot of uh, videos from down here in uh, Aptor's Alley. And maybe one time I can come back and give you a, a, a guided tour. That would be fantastic. Sweet. Here's a question for you. We were at the big event, right? And, again, we explained it. We were fans who yep. started a show that got popular. We we know we're not in the biz. Right. We love the biz. Right. But when we were at the big event at our table, mm-hmm. Bill Lapter walks up to us, <laughs> and we have a conversation. We take some pictures. Me and Jimmy turn around and we go, holy shit. I lost my That mind. is Bill Apter. <laughs> now, here's a question. True. For fans out there, does Bill Apter do any video shout-outs? Maybe they could reach out and say, hey, Bill, can you do a video shout-out? Guess what? It's funny you brought that up. I was trying to get on Cameo, and I've got nearly 30,000 Twitter followers. And Cameo got back to me a few months ago and said, you don't have enough followers so what i'm going to do <laughs> wow not so fast yeah so there. i'm going to do i'm going to start willio <laughs> willio instead of cameo okay and but I, i'm going to somewhere in the next few weeks uh i'm going to make myself available to uh set up something where i will not only do a shout out but a lot of fans know my other passion is music and singing mm-hmm. Uh, karaoke. I I sang professionally for many years, and I don't look at the words. If I I use them for backgrounds, but birthday wishes, for example, one fan uh, tonight asked me, "Can I do a quick video with some music to his mother, who's a huge Barry Manilow fan?" Nice. And I shot a video, and I did a little of, "You know, I can't smile without you. Can't don't smile without you." You're gonna make me cry. Yeah. Stop. No, well, you see, I, I also rap it, yo, like I can't laugh and I can't sing. I'm don't, fine with it, like, in hard to do anything. That'll make me cry, All too. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but I sent it, and he was totally, totally knocked out. Um, so 
and I know there's a lot of people out there who have, I know there's a lot, stop. I, I know there's a lot of people out there who have seen me entertain in my one man show where I sing my way with about 50 different wrestling voices and have asked me, you know, can we get personalized stuff? So follow me on my social media and somewhere in the next few weeks, uh, I will come out with something uh, that will be affordable and fun. And I'm thinking of also doing uh, a one-on-one or maybe a 10-on-one personal Zoom chat once a week if there's enough people who want to do that that's a great idea um once again your inside the ropes magazine.com is available and then on amazon or where books are sold is wrestling fixed i didn't know it was broken uh for Monty, and for Monty and the Faro, uh we'll be off next thursday but on friday in studio We've got Marty Janetti, hmm. the FBI, Tommy Ooh, Rich, Tommy and Rich. Tracy Smothers. Nice. And we finish off with uh, Barry Horowitz, so it's an exciting Friday. Uh, hey, guys, before you leave, before you go, yep. I have one other thing. To say. You mentioned Tommy Rich? Yeah. Tommy Rich used to always come over to me in the dressing room. Hey, Bill After, when are you going to put me on the cover of that rag of yours? <laughs> you did. Tommy, okay, that's we we grew up WWE fans, so you know how it is, Bill, right? Yankees, Red Sox. So we were anti NWA, we're anti AWA. Right. We watched it, but we hated them. Oh, we read about you it. You know, and we watched you know, it. being a Northeasterner, you know, you grew up on San Martino. How hard was it to you to uh, actually report on the NWA and AWA legitimately being because you would be a WWE fan. And just to mention Tommy Rich, we're huge fans of Tommy Rich. We remember when he won the NWA title, and it's a big mark in our lives. But how were you able to, to separate yourself? Because I imagine you were a WWF fan at that time. No, no, no. I grew up watching Buddy Rogers and uh, Bob Orton Sr., the okay. grandfather, okay. Mark Lewin and Donker. So back then, everything was generic and buddy rogers held the nwa title when i was a kid as well and i was reading the magazines like wrestling review so i was a fan of everything i could get my hands on and i used to watch on channel 41 uhf in new york canal quattro uno uh the the nwa shows from the olympic auditorium so i was a fan of everything wrestling i wasn't just a fan of wwf I was a fan of everything I saw on TV, even Bedlam from Boston. Mm. Yeah, which was on WOR back then. Jimmy's going to hit you one last question, but I have one selfish question that I want to ask you. All righty. Who is the top five greatest wrestlers, meaning the total package, not just interview or not just a wrestler, just the top five greatest wrestlers in your mind i'm not going there i'm not going there because (laughs) i hate to say this no i'll tell you why because it always ticks people off when i do that there's different generations too yeah i and there's one there's a different one to me in every generation Mm -hmm. there really is Mm -hmm. and you know a lot of people want to know that uh the guy with the mask right behind me there no mascaris Mm -hmm. Real name, real name, Mel Moskowitz, by the way. Moskowitz? Um, Oi! Mel Moskowitz. <laughs> this mask is kosher. By the way, any, any, any time I, I talk about my admiration for him as a wrestler, I get grief from every other wrestler. Well, he only did this. And then when I talk about – here, let me – when I talk about Bruno, he's got his COVID thing going here. Um, when I talk about Bruno, well, Bruno only kick and punch. There's too much controversy that comes out of when I answer questions like that, so I now avoid them. Right. I understand. Right. All right, Farrell, one last question. All righty, here we go, Bill. You are, to me, like Gordon Soli in many ways, the face of when wrestling was real, when it was reported Thank as you. a sport, when it was real. And today's generation will never know what we know, how great that was. Mm. What was Bill Apter's emotions light and wh- like, and what was, how much was the magazine business affected the night of the curtain call? What was your thoughts when that oh, was happening? It, it, what didn't affect us at all? I mean, zero. It, it was, keep in mind that the magazines were worldwide magazines, okay? Mm-hmm. So that 
we were not uh, press privileged back in those days. Did it so bother you as a fan that they did that? Um, it, 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 it really, it, it didn't, it didn't bother me. I mean, mm. it bothered me for a little while. Okay. It, it pulled back the curtain. So did it bother Bill after a little bit? Yes, but enough to, enough to dissuade me from covering what they were doing. No, the, the one thing that got me was when Vince publicly announced that this is a show. Mm. That's, that, that's, that's, that kind of, uh, that because then I couldn't tell when people were asking me, I was like every other wrestler back then, you know, is, is, uh, you know, is this real or not? And I go, Hey, what, what's the matter with you? You know, this step, like all the wrestlers did, I protected the business right. when you're in the business. Right. But when Vince said, well, this is a show, I was like, well, now that hurts, mm -hmm. but it didn't affect the sales of the magazines because people who bought the magazines were wrestling fans and you could have told them how every match works and they still wouldn't believe you. Is today's magazine market marketed more towards an AEW fan or a mainstream WWE fan? Last question. The magazines? Yeah, in general. Do you think they, they, they're more no, geared? I, I, uh, I, I, there's, no, there's only two magazines that this point is PWI mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and who I haven't been with in 20 some odd years right. and the new inside the ropes I think right. it's for the I think I cannot speak for PWI I know with uh, inside the ropes it's made for the old school wrestling fan and the young wrestling fan who wants to know what the feel of a wrestling magazine was like wow gotcha I hope I hope I answered that correctly mm -hmm. I can't speak on behalf of PWI no, you answered it perfectly. Uh, your, the new magazine, does it have a centerfold like the old PWI? It does not, but there's a cartoon in there. Uh, and unfortunately, my copy of it is upstairs, and I would love to show you the one cartoon that's in there. Um, but it'll take too much time for me to go upstairs and get it for you. So there's no, there's no centerfold, but there's a cartoon on one of the news pages uh, about a centerfold of me, so you have to see it in the magazine. Well, I want to thank you for joining Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. You are an icon. This was thank incredible, you. and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend some time with us. It was absolutely my pleasure. I would love to come back. Um, yeah, I had I had a good time, and uh, uh, can I do my sign off? Absolutely. <laughs> We'll see you eventually at the matches.